Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, I've got a question. What is your favorite midnight snack? Does it have to be at midnight? No, because mine's not at midnight. It's like 8.30, 9 o'clock snack, like before bed snack. Okay, so we're, we're saying this is not dinner, but I don't have to wake up in the middle of the night to eat it. Right. Okay. Middle of the night yeah, is yeah. midnight. Well, yeah. well I guess that's that 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 <laughs> that the definition of midnight. Um, so I, you know, I've, I've tried to do less late night snacking just for the sake of, you know, my health. So it's been a little while since I've had like true, you know, late night things. Because when I was younger, mm-hmm. it would be like we'd go out and get a pizza or we'd do something. We, Michelle and I have a like a line where it's like late night pizza. And it's like we look at each other. It's like, yeah. But we haven't done that in a long, long time. But when I do that. Uh, so one of my favorite ones to go to is uh, is actually oatmeal, but you put uh, chocolate chips in it. So uh, chocolate, like white chocolate and, and milk chocolate chips in oatmeal. So then it feels like oh, I'm doing something healthy, but also I'm not really. And so it's it's feeling sweet, just tasty. like plain oatmeal with yeah. with the chocolate o- chips. In make it. oatmeal, but put mm-hmm. the put the chocolate chips in. Makes sense. Okay, that was a lot of words for a snack. I feel like Clayton might need a therapist. Uh, that there was a lot of qualifications and admissions, and for more reasons than that. What about you, Eric? For more reasons than that. <laughs> okay, if if D and I are going to do late night grubbing, it's Taco Bell run, because uh, that is just some late night goodness right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's what do you, see. What do you get from Taco Bell though when you go there? Oh, so the the two chalupa meal. So it's okay. two chalupas and a taco. Is that for okay. both of you? Like you, 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 split you, you each get or? a chalupa. Oh heck no, man! Oh, okay. Okay. I'm throwing like, down two chalupas and a taco. <laughs> now, uh, that would that would be like if like just like you, Clayton, look at your wife and say late night pizza run. We would be a late night Taco Bell run. <laughs> if I am just sitting on the couch watching a show with my wife, we have a massive snack drawer in our kitchen island. Actually, we have two massive snack drawers. So there is one of 15 things I could possibly choose all the time. Uh, I most often go with wheat thins and pepperoni and cheese. Ooh. Mm. And so I just sit there and make little pepperoni and cheese sandwiches with my wheat thins and eat them. Nice. Nice. And Mickey? There are no white chocolate chips in <laughs> my oatmeal. No. Um, mine would be uh, like a, a slice of like the Sara Lee pound cake. That's good. Yeah. Ooh. So, and I, I don't like, I like it with raspberries, like, because I, everybody knows I should know if they listen to the podcast long enough. I love raspberries, but just take it out of the fridge, cut a slice, and just eat it right before bed. Just something mm. sweet. And then my dog, Finn. Um, I'll cut him a little sliver of it too, and he eats it a little bit before oh, bed. Oh, you give so. pound cake to the yep, dog? Yep, just a tiny, just a tiny little sliver because he'll bark and he'll cry if I don't give him some. Oh. So I just give him a tiny little taste of it. And so there is always pound cake in your house. There is always pound cake in the house. Well, there, there, there is some snacks. You know, yep. you just kind of always have. You like know? you have a drawer. You have a drawer of with, snacks. With I snacks. have at least two things of pound cake in the fridge at all times. Like I, I know they're meant to be in the in the freezer, but I keep them in the fridge because we access them a lot. <laughs> Wow. That's impressive. (laughs) Yep. So there you go. There you have it. There's our snacks. All right, Clayton, we have some audience feedback. Yes, we we do. We we asked a couple of weeks ago about our opening banter because we heard Mm -hmm. that there's at least one person who said, you know what? 
I kind of skip the banter. I try to get right to the passage and, you know, you guys are great, but nah, I don't need that first five minutes. So we asked the question, who likes the banter or do people want us to skip it? And so some people either loved or hated what we just did. Either. Yeah, this was, yeah, they're either like, Our Come scintillating on. snack conversation. I'm pretty sure if we reopened the voting that there'd be more <laughs> votes for, please, for the love of God, stop that your segment. <laughs> so glad Clayton eats oatmeal. I think people get really good at snack. I think they just got really good snack ideas people from People like us. food. They like food right? talk. Yeah. Um, but we did get some some emails <laughs> from listeners. Uh, I'll read a, a couple here. Um, we had one person who said, I have listened to the podcast since it started, and the friendly banter is definitely a huge draw for me. And she goes on to say, the kickoff banter, the friendly joking, the warmth that comes from the personal converse- conversation makes me feel like I'm sitting down with a group of friends exploring God's word rather than simply listening to a podcast. This is a person we've met in person, like, you know, as part of a church. So she goes on and says, it probably helps that I do call each of you my friends. So, you know, the the personal connection knowing us uh, probably helps with that. Uh, Okay, so we have to completely disregard that listener (laughs) feedback because she's saying your banter makes me feel like I'm your friends. Oh, but in real life, I really am your friend. Okay, next listener feedback. Um, This one, the person says, I love Nikki's questions and how you all take the time to just laugh and discuss different things. Uh, I also do choose to keep listening once you get to the text because we did ask, you know, is there anybody (laughs) just listens to the banter like straight up? uh, I'm just here for the the stupid question. Um, But she said, I feel like I learn a lot about how to become a better Bible reader, even in the Old Testament passage. So I want to thank you for that. So we're we're glad that that's the case for you. And then here's the last one I want to read. This person actually had a question about our banter. They said that that they like it. uh, But then they said, my question is, does Nikki share her weekly question with Clayton and Eric ahead of time? Your answers are always very well thought out, and you never seem blindsided by them. Or maybe you're all just amazing at spontaneously answering questions out of the blue because of your profession. Inquiring minds want to know. It's that one. We're just amazing at... We're just so good. We're just amazing. That's it. Or the questions are so dumb that you don't have to be amazing <laughs> to answer them. I don't, think, I don't think our ability to answer these questions in any way reveals any kind of competency in anything. No, no. She just asked us, what kind of snacks do we eat? <laughs> I- Eric told us before we record this, he's like, I'm in a mood today. And so we're already there. We're already there. We're already there. No, I think, so the answer, the answer is a little bit of both, right? Like there are some times where um, we know what we're going to ask. And there's some times where we throw the question out and we answer it on the fly. Um, And even when we do know, it's still hard sometimes to come up with an answer. Yeah, we we typically uh, have the question ahead of time. So we say it before we, we do. And it, sometimes we have like a list of questions and we read through a bunch yep. of them and pick one. Sometimes one of us will pick one ahead of time and we'll know what it is. But m- usually we're not thinking of our answers until yep. right before we hit record. Yep. Yeah, we have a little bit of a pre-podcast meeting. We all show up in the podcast studio and we talk about the episode we're about to record for what, five minutes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. hey, here's the text we're discussing. Here's the banter question for the day. So we have some semblance of a plan going in, but that plan is put together in about five minutes. You genuinely are listening to three people yep. that gather in a room with their Bibles and go through the comma method with ne- with not a lot of preparation. In fact, Clayton sends an email to me and Nikki uh, about a week before uh, the days that we are recording podcasts, and he has the text laid out. Uh, with some options for some banter questions. Nikki, norm- Nikki normally picks the questions. Um, 
I often come into the podcast studio and ask this question. What text are we discussing yeah. today? Yeah. He doesn't read the emails. Um, yeah. So I do read the emails, but then I forget. Yeah. Um, so you are genuinely listening to three people who are having a spontaneous conversation every episode. Yep, that is totally true. All right. And then, Eric, you've got an uh, announcement for us. We have something special coming up in our services. We do. Uh, on the weekend of December 9th and 10th, Clayton is going to be doing an oatmeal preparation Ooh. demonstration live on the stage. How did I miss that? Broadcast to all five of our church campuses. He will be throwing in white chocolate chips, regular chocolate chips. It is going to be a really remarkable weekend. Invite your friends. Uh, we have on December 9th and 10th, another Inspiring Stories weekend. Uh, if you're not familiar with these weekends, Inspiring Stories weekends are weekends where instead of a normal sermon, we invite a special guest and we interview that guest. And that is what is the sermon for the weekend. And the idea is that we think about uh, someone that we would want to invite to church on that weekend to hear that story. So Inspiring Stories weekend, December 9, 10, musician blessing offer. Uh, his, the basics of his story is he is a gifted musician who was born partially blind. And then as he was growing up, completely lost his vision. Uh, and he is an amazingly gifted musician uh, with a great story of hope and optimism to tell. So that is our guest that weekend. And then Sunday evening, he will be performing in concert uh, here at the St. Charles South Elgin campus, that is a ticketed event. So the worship services where we're interviewing him, that is completely free. But the concert on Sunday evening is ticketed. And you can purchase those tickets right now. And I checked today. Those tickets are selling pretty fast. So if you're interested in that concert, you might want to jump online and buy your tickets. Yes, very nice. All right, Clayton, what passage are we looking at today? All right, we're starting a brand new book of the Bible, although it's not brand new. I think a couple of years ago we read this. We read through the Gospels a few different times. So we're in the Gospel of John. I think it's been around for like 2,000 years. It's, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's brand <laughs> yeah. new. It's, it's been around a little bit. Uh, so we're in the Gospel of John. We're going to be starting in John chapter 1. So a little bit of context here. So this is a Gospel. So it's a biography of Jesus. So we're going to be uh, digging into Jesus's life. It's always recommended that when you start a new book of the Bible, maybe even a book that you are familiar with or you've read before, uh, go back to either the introduction in your study Bible and get the information about the historical context, the author, and so on. Or the, the thing that I usually do is I go and watch one of the Bible Project videos that summarize the book. Really, really helpful before you get in. Uh, but the, the Gospel of John is going to be one that's maybe a little bit more accessible than, say, Lamentations and Jeremiah that we've been at, uh, because it is the life of Jesus. This is a good place to start if you're new to Bible reading. Uh, but we're going to be in John chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 1 and go through the first 18 verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, 
Children born not of a natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. All right. The next step in comma is O, which stands for observation. And when we're doing observation, some of the things we're looking for are repeating words. There's a lot of those in this passage. Uh, Truths about God. There's also a lot of those in this passage. Things that are striking to us or if uh, or or broad themes that we're looking at. So uh, what do you guys see in this passage? A lot. Um, First thing is uh, right up at the beginning, right at the beginning, it says, in the beginning was the word. So um, in the beginning, I think it says that like twice, and it makes it reminds me of Genesis 1 uh, when it talks about how God created the world all the way back in the beginning. And then the word, um, which when we look in the study note, it's talking about Jesus. Uh, an observation I have is something that transitions from verse 1 to verse 2. So verse 1 starts, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 2, He was with God in the beginning. So if you're reading this for the first time, and you're reading the word Word, Mm -hmm. you're not automatically assuming it's just talking about a person. But then in verse 2, it says, He was with God. So now all of a sudden, you're forced to really let your brain sink into what John is trying to say. Word was a person? Yeah, there, there's definitely like deep thoughts going on here. In addition to that one, you say, okay, the word is somehow referring to a, a person, not just sort of like noises or an idea or something like that. But then you also have this thing where it's like the word actually is God. Okay, so somehow, and you, you know, you try to think about the metaphor and it gets, you get kind of tangled, right? Like in some ways your words are kind of like a part of you or whatever. So you're like, I guess I kind of get that. Well, the word is God. But there was also with God. And so you don't usually say, like, you could say, I'm with myself, but, like, you think of another person. So, like, this this is where, you know, when people talk about, like, well, where's the word Trinity in the Bible? Um, it, the, the word Trinity isn't in the Bible, but it's sentences like this that make people elaborate and say something like, there's one God who is more than one person because there is God who is also with God but they're all God. So it like it's this is where some of the mind-bending stuff that when you run into that, it starts from these passages and pondering these things. I am me. I am with me. My words are me. That's yeah. the Gospel of John, verses <laughs> one and two. Are you confused yet? <laughs> We've only gotten through two, two verses. What else you got? Um, the, I think the the really cool part is just in verse three, uh, you could spend so much time just in the first four, five verses, right? Like uh, through him, through Jesus, all things are made without Jesus, without him, nothing was made that has been made in him was life. And that light was the light of all mankind. Like it, it's a really beautiful picture. Uh, and then, so when you look at this, it's like, 
Um, you've got things that were made through Jesus. Nothing can be made without him. He is life and he is light and he is the only son. There's so many little like names about, about him and, and, and who he is and, and what he's done just in that, in that small little, you know, matter of verses right there. Yeah, there's the the repeating word of light there. That's mm-hmm. I think that might be the one that's repeated most. There's a lot of words that John, John likes to play with different words and like put them together in different you know c- configurations of meaning and that sort of thing. So he kind of goes back to these same terms. But light is the one he uses probably the most in this. And like sometimes when we get come across imagery in the Bible, uh, especially if it's something you're like, oh, light and darkness, I kind of get it. It's actually really valuable to to ponder to like slow down and picture what the image is. Like if you've ever been in a place that's really, really dark, you know, and you're, and you're kind of acclimated to that. You're sort of used to fumbling around or whatever. And all of a sudden a bright light comes in. There's something really, really like startling about that. It it can invoke all sorts of emotions. You know, it can be, it can be, uh, it could scare you. You know what I mean? All of a sudden it's bright, it's blinding. You're confused because of it, or it could be really hopeful. Like I was, I was fumbling my way through here. I was hurting myself running into things, but now I can see and oh, what a relief. Like there's so many things associated with light coming into darkness that you're meant to sort of mull over as you think, what would it mean for Jesus to come into our world? Another observation is that John says a lot of things before he ever says Jesus Christ. In verse 17 is where he finally says Jesus' name. Uh, Now he uses the word son, but man, get to the point, John. So what's funny about this is in verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He's interested in talking to us and using the name about John the Baptist, but he's being very cryptic about Jesus. And, and when you consider that this was like his best friend, right? Like yeah. th- this is what you find out as you read the story. Like John and Jesus were very, very close. And to write a biography of one of your best friends and to to like go through all of this, th- there's, something, there's something really deliberate going on here. Like John is trying to make you feel something about this guy, but it's still pretty amazing to be like, you you hung out with this guy and you, you did this whole long run up before you even said his name. <laughs> yeah. Verse 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Mm-hmm. He's trying to make sure he's clear on this. He made everything. And so we're not confused by this at all. What I'm saying is of all of the things that have been made, <laughs> none of it has been made without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do I do like – I, I kind of narrowed in on these words witness and testify um, – that John, okay, so John was sent from God uh, to give witness and to testify concerning that light, right? So again, it's he's talking about Jesus, talking about that that message of life and light, that that gospel that is going to come because of Jesus. But it's again, it's cryptic. Like, well, okay, well, what is he testifying to? You know, and you don't find that out until you get all the way down to verse fifteen. You know, that this is the one I spoke about when I said, "He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me." And that's still cryptic, because he doesn't actually talk about what Jesus ha- like is coming to do or anything like that. He's just saying, "This is the guy that we've been waiting for." And if you don't know the backstory, you're like, "What? What? What? What does that mean?" Um, I, my observation in that kind of middle paragraph, it talks about he came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. Uh, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So there, there's two things that I noticed there. One is right at the right at the beginning. So we've got this sort of like you know glorious picture of Jesus coming in, but there's a note of of like sorrow or tragedy or something in there when it says he came to his own. 
and his own didn't receive him. So we're, we're going to see this in the book of John, that there are, are places where Jesus is coming to his own people, to his own family, to people, to people who should have been able to say, oh, this is it. This is finally the Messiah we've waited for, the one who's coming to rescue us. And a whole lot of people don't get it. And, he's, and he is rejected. And um, he comes to the world that he made and loves and is there to rescue, and the world rejects him. And so there's, there is uh, a, like a sorrow coming in to this. There's a, there's a sacrifice coming into this that's already there. But what's interesting is the flip side of it, to those who did receive, right? So the, the action is a, a reception. Like there's something you got to do to experience what Jesus is bringing, but it's receiving. It's like a gift, right? Like it's not, it's not something that you earn. It's not something that uh, you've got to somehow merit. It's just, will you actually take it? Like there's something really beautiful right there at the beginning that says what Jesus is bringing, the right to become a child of God is just a gift. It's not, he's, there's nothing special here. You can reject it, but all you have to do is receive it. That's pr- pretty beautiful. Um, another thing that when I, I go back to that, um, those couple of verses about um, John being sent by God to testify to as to who Jesus was, um, is this recognition that in order for people to receive that gift, they have to hear about it, right? They have to hear about who he is and what he's done. So John's testimony would be the means through which people heard about Jesus and believed. So there's that, that connection of people, people can't believe unless they hear I've got a, another one here in verse 14. Um, I, I feel like this is probably the big, like, almost shocker in the whole thing. It, after you hear all of this stuff about the Word, who's the light and made the world, and it says, the Word became flesh. The, the, the Word, the, the one who is God and, and who is with God, shows up as a human being, fully physical, present right here. The Word became flesh. Like, that's, a, that's an astounding thing. They're, they're actually whole religions who, when they talk about God, they say the one thing that God cannot be <laughs> is a human being. The one thing that God cannot be is a part of creation, and yet the Word becomes flesh. And it says he made his dwelling among us. And he lived with us. He was, he was there with us. He, he, you know, uh, you know, it, you, I don't know if it's in the footnotes. I don't have the study Bible in front of me. But um, it talks about he, he pitched his tent among us. He built a tabernacle to live with us. This is what God has been doing. He, he draws near so that he actually can live with us and be in our neighborhood and be present with us. That's an astounding thing. You can ponder the, wor- the word who made the world, and yet then he shows up, and you can touch him, and you can be near him and encounter him. That's, that's truly shocking. Hey, let's unpack this verse. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> there we go. That's one that is very obvious. I don't know that we need to comment on it. Um, so part of the, the way to figure this out is to look in the context. Um, in verse 17, right after that, it says the word for, and for gives you kind of a, it's like the because word, right? Like here's, here's the reason. The law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus. So when you say, what's the grace that was already given? John is saying the law. When God gave the law to Moses, he entered into a covenant with his people. He revealed himself. He showed the way. He said, here's some really good stuff. Sometimes we look at the law and we say, well, that was terrible. Like that was a burden or all these rules, blah, blah, blah. That's not how people felt about it. They're like, God actually spoke to us. He entered into a relationship with us. We can actually know a way that is a good way of life. Like that's grace. And yet, there was something more that was needed, which is Jesus showing up to give grace in the place of grace already given, right? When, when the, the law couldn't get us all the way there, when it wasn't enough for us, Jesus shows up and he is even more grace on top of grace that was already given. Uh, verse 18, observation, where it says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God 
and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God. Okay, John, so let me correct you here. If Jesus is himself God and people (laughs) saw him, which John, by the way, goes out of his way to say multiple times in his gospel and in his letters, hey, we saw him, we heard him, we touched him. Well, if Jesus is God, then somebody has seen God if you've seen Jesus. So I get what John is saying, but I want to call a technical foul on this. (laughs) Say, John, you're kind of right and kind of wrong. We're allowed to say that. Clayton has already admitted in a previous episode that he does not like John's writing style. I am am now... uh, Are you you like... Critiquing his theology? Hopping on that bandwagon, (laughs) too, Eric? Uh, this, uh, yeah, this should not be evidence for our qualification as pastors. Uh, let's not let's not use this podcast. Um, the, the The reality is, John wants to make you ponder. Like this is this is, this is actually a really helpful tip going into John's writing. Is that he says things in a way deliberately to slow you down so that you actually let the the mystery and the wonder and the just shock value of the whole thing sink in, so that you have to say, well, what did he mean by that? So what's really going on? This is this is like part of what John has spent his whole life doing. He encountered Jesus, spent decade on decade pondering the whole thing, and is writing the story to make us ponder the same thing. Which is hard, I think, for us because sometimes when we read something like this or we're trying to learn something in general, we want people to make it as straightforward and as accessible as possible. But I think appreciating, learning how to slow down and appreciate God's Word and know that you— we may not be able to figure out every single nuance to it, but there is there is beauty in pondering what's written here. Um, the The other thing that I saw, too, is I thought back to when it said the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just me with the Christmas season upon us. Like, I'm thinking back to, I think it's the Gospel of Matthew when they give him, when they name him Emmanuel, and it, that's supposed to be God with us. And I'm thinking about this Christmas season coming up, and how we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus coming up on Christmas. And there's a lot of people who are coming together to ponder that, you know. And, and we want to sit down. We want to read the Christmas story. We want to um, kind of wrap our minds around the gift that is given through Jesus in this Christmas season. And this is a really pretty picture of it, you know. Like, in the beginning, Jesus was God. And he created everything. And then he came to be with us. It's, a, it's just a really cool picture to me. I think verse 18 is a good response to the person who would say, I only believe in things I can see. Don't talk to me about your God. I can't see God, so I'm not going to believe in this God, whoever you think he may or may not be. Mm-hmm. I only believe in things I can see. Mm-hmm. And what John is saying is, but you can see him because he came in human form. His name was Jesus. And, and, but then you get to the, the second objection, which is, well, how do I even know that Jesus existed? Okay, so let's be clear about this. The historical person Jesus is a verifiable truth. History, not just Bible, history. There was a Palestinian man named Jesus who walked the earth, and all of the things recorded in the Bible are actually a part of recorded history. So we're not asking the question, did this man actually exist? The question you have to answer is, do I believe he is the eternal son of God? And what did he do on the cross? But Jesus himself claims that he is who John in the gospel says he is. And so to the response to the, to the person that says, I, will be, I only believe in things I can see, John is saying, but you can see him. 
And in fact, that when we get to the end of John's gospel, John says, hey, here's the reason why I wrote it. Mm-hmm. So that you actually know what all of us saw so that you might believe that yeah. this is true. Like you want to listen to the people who encountered him and said, hey, look, we met this guy and it, it blew everything out of the water. Like it changed everything. What do you think of that? And so that, that's part of what John is doing in his gospel. Well, let's move on to one of the M's in comma. Let's start with meditation, and this is appropriate as we're talking about John trying to slow us down to to ponder things, to thoughtfully think through uh, the things that he's writing. So we're going to pick one verse here, and we're going to give you about 45 seconds, and with John that might not be uh, enough time, but uh, we'll give you 45 seconds to ponder this verse and prayerfully talk with God about it. I'm going to read verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's talk about the other M in comma, which is message. What message did you guys get out of this passage? My message is Jesus came to give life and light to all mankind. My message is from that uh, passage there in verse 16, where it says, we have received grace in place of grace already given. I think that's a good summary. Um, it's, it's all grace. It's all grace. It's grace upon grace. Um, and I, I see all sorts of details where it's like, we are getting things we don't deserve. We're in the darkness, but the light shines in. God is out there, but then he comes to us. He lets us be his children just by receiving it. It's just grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Okay, my message is that Jesus is the light that dispels the darkness. So even at at the beginning of creation, when light was first created, spoken into existence, and Jesus is the one creating that, and in our present day, in the darkness of our existence, whether that is the darkness of life circumstances or the darkness of emotions or the darkness of our thinking patterns, Jesus himself can walk into that darkness and bring light. All right, let's talk about the A in comma, which is application. This is where we say, what do we do? How do we respond to these things? So my application to my message that Jesus came to give life and light to all mankind. Um, again, it's it's post Thanksgiving. I'm in Christmas mode. I'm in Christmas mode like really early. I'm in Christmas mode in the summer, but we are heavy into Christmas decorating at this point. And so, um, I mean, most normal humans are people who don't you know decorate like pre Thanksgiving. You know, so for those who are thinking about Christmas, they're decorating their house. Um, I'm thinking this. Start thinking of people you can invite to Christmas Eve services. Um, now we're starting to have conversations of like, what what are you doing for your Christmas Eve plans? What are you doing for Christmas? And I'm just going to quickly just tell people, I'm going to ask them, what do you do for Christmas? And I'm going to tell them what I'm doing. And then I'm going to invite them to come and join me for Christmas Eve services. It's that easy of an exchange. So I want to be mindful of that. 
for my message that it's that it's all grace. It's grace upon grace. Um, the the response to that. Well, first of all, if you have not done the part where it says to all who receive him, you get the right to become children of God. You can do that anytime. There's no pre- prerequisite. Um, so if you haven't done that, just open sh- yourself up. It's it is well worth it to be adopted into God's family and to receive that grace. But for those of us who have known that grace for a while, it's it's really good for us to just stop and take a breath. Like there's just something freeing to say. When it was dark, he's shined the light in. When we were on the outside, he welcomed us into his family. When when we couldn't achieve the law, he came and rescued us. When you know when we didn't know who God was, he showed up. Like it's all just a gift. Jesus has done all the stuff that matters. And so it's grace and we get to receive it. And there's something relaxing about that to say, wow, this is really good news. Jesus accomplished it all by his grace. Okay, my application might get me in trouble with our counseling pastors or anyone in our Christian counseling network. But everybody hear me out. Don't judge my application until I'm completely done. I think that in a world where people are more transparent and open about seeing a counselor, seeing a therapist, taking care of their mental health, I think that is a very good thing. Unless that is replacing Jesus as the light. And here's what I mean by this. Depression and anxiety and evil coming into our lives. These are dark things and we should never ever, ever swap out Jesus for a therapist or a counselor. Jesus is the light that, and the darkness cannot overcome that light. And so when we are willing to call light, light, and dark, dark, good, good, and evil, evil, when we recognize a spiritual realm and we recognize there really is dark evil and there really is the light of the world, then we say, all right, Jesus is the one that can dispel that darkness. So yes to counselors, yes to therapists, yes to mental health, yes to medication, as long as we do not exchange the creator God of the universe for those things. That's really good. Well, there you have it, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.